Welcome to a new episode of It Be Your Own People, a new podcast about what's going on in pop culture and being a POC in today's social environment, because sometimes it be your own people. Maybe it's your brother, sister, or a friend. Karen at the job or Karen next door, a leader of the movement you thought you could trust. Most of the time, it's somebody you already know. Beware the wolves, y'all. And now more than ever, people are showing you who they really are, and you need to know who you can trust. Starting off another episode with our cocktail of the day. Sally, what are you drinking? So I am channeling my Roni Ramona Housewives vibe today. Okay. And I'm having a Pinot Grigio because it's warm and I want to be cool. Nice, nice, nice. I, you know, in the spring, summertime, I always love a good ice cold Modelo or Corona. And I'm having a nice Modelo today. And to jump right into the game. Hey, auntie. It's our new game called Auntie. Our niece. Mm. It's game time. What's that about? All right, so you know there's just some people in the culture, and they are just too cool. They got a whole vibe with them. And you know, like, okay, regardless of age, you are forever auntie or a niece. So I'm thinking on my forever niece list, I have Mary J. Blige. Oh, definitely, definitely. She got cool for centuries. Right? Yep. Angela Bassett. Black don't crack, honey. And she is timeless, ageless, smooth like butter skin. Who you gonna add to that? I'm gonna go with Tracy Ellis Ross. Yeah, that's my girl. Because her fashion, her personality, everything is always on point. She's always giving that fun, vibrant energy. So now that we got forever nieces who would we call auntie? So the difference between a niece and an auntie is you could be older, but... We feel like you got that young spirit. And the people who are cool, we will put you in, you know, the auntie bucket. Even though you're a little bit older. But I will put Viola Davis in the auntie bucket. That's my girl. Oh, yes, I do love Viola. And I feel like Viola gives us so much wisdom. Like, I feel like she's that auntie that's always there with a good whip it to let you know you can do this. You got this. Be strong. It's the snot nose cry for me. Yeah, that too. It's when she pulled that wig back for me. Oh, the wigs will get you. An uh, auntie on my list, definitely Maxine Waters. Oh, yes, definitely. Forever auntie. Forever auntie. Mm-hmm. My true, true forever auntie. You know who it is? Who? Jennifer Lewis. I mean, she was introduced to us as... Auntie on Fresh Prince. She was, and she's been almost um, everybody's mother's on, like, regardless of the movie or show. What I love about her is she got that Forever Auntie vibe with the Megan Knees energy. Oh, yeah. I know. So Jennifer Lewis gives me that vibe that she be that auntie that show up to the cookout, ready to party, ready to get it started, ready to do the electric slide, the Cupid shuffle. Yep. Speaking of aunties and nieces, who would you put on the nephew list? I mean, Morris Chestnut is just so fine. When is he not? Mm, he's a, yeah, he's a forever nephew. He's that a I, forever I would nephew. love to nephew myself. He's like all the 50 looking just fine. Yes. He 50? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, damn, yeah. Forever nephew, for sure, for sure. And who else you got on there? Oh, one of my personal favorites is Shannon Sharp because he is so, I mean, he's a forever meme. He always got that sharp wit. He, everything he says is just memeable, and I feel like that's just forever nephew energy. Well, you know, to top that, I feel like Will Smith, that forever nephew, 
Mm, yep, yep, because he's always a fool. He's always cracking jokes. And, you know, it doesn't matter how he ages. He looks good, like Lorenz Tate, another forever nephew. Lorenz Tate will never age. I'm pretty sure he sold his soul to the damn devil himself. But he looked fine doing it. He looked exactly the same from damn near 20, 30 years ago. Every time he pop up on the screen, I'm like, is this how I sold my soul to a vampire? I don't know. But uh, give us some uncles. Steve Harvey, hands down, always an uncle. Okay, yeah, 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 I got that. My forever uncle... Obama. Ooh, but he's a silver bullet. He's a salt and pepper uncle. Like, he's the type of uncle that you introduce to your friends and be like, hey, calm down. That's my uncle. I know he's fine, but he's my uncle. Yup, and then he gonna play basketball with you. Yup, and then whoop your ass. Oh, forever uncle, Uncle Snoop. Mm-hmm, yup. Because, you know, he be cooking too. So, Uncle Snoop is the uncle at the cookout who's mad in the grill. He got that good chicken. He be seasoning up the poultry and the breading, everything. Everything gets seasoned. All the paprika. And his blunts too. Oh, that stays seasoned. But, you know, we got some more nieces too because the, the list is on and forever going. Who you got on there? Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC. That's right, AOC in the house. I got my girl Issa and Portia. Portia is wrong, but she can truly do no crime crime in my eyes. I mean, she still got that niece energy. You could be wrong and be a niece. That's true. That's true. And most nieces is usually doing wrong stuff. That's right. I also have my fave titanium knees, Megan the Stallion. You know she a forever niece. Them knees, girl, could do things. Yeah, I tried doing the Megan knees, and I did not do the Megan knees. I did the snap, crackle, pop knees. And then favorite, okay, I got this last wild card up in here. Who? Suzanne Summers. Damn, that is a throwback. Throwback from way back. She is 74, but guess what she did? She took a picture with her 24-year-old granddaughter, and guess what? They was wearing similar booty shorts, and girl look good. Not the booty. She out here Booty shorts. Listen, 74, remember she gave us the original Peloton before there was a flat tummy tee. She gave us all the gear with the thigh master, and them legs is looking great. I mean, I guess it works. She is, you know, true to her product. And now on to our segment of... What the fuck news? So, for today's episode, we want to start off talking about how Broadway is opening up at full capacity. It's really crazy. I mean, for me personally, I know that the whole world is trying to open up, you know, New York included. People need to make their money. Businesses need to make up for last year. But at the same time... How do you expect us, like, you forced it in our heads. Like, you need to wear this mask. Social distance, six feet apart. Social distance. Oh, you might pass away, get sick, and die. And now, all of a sudden, after a whole year of this, like, how are we just going to go back to normal? I love to watch Broadway plays and everything, but I'm not going to feel comfortable sitting directly next to someone, paying for an expensive, you know, show, and sitting next to someone. And I'm like, I don't know if you're vaccinated or not, but I just can't get down with it. I don't know about that. Yeah, see, that's exactly what it would do for me. So, Broadway tickets, first off are not cheap. They are expensive, expensive, expensive. And I don't want to pay through the nose to be able to enjoy a musical and then spend the whole time trying to worry about, oh, don't touch my armrest because I don't know where you've been. Uh, like you said, I don't know if you've been vaccinated. I don't know when was the last time you washed this mask. So they're opening up at full capacity, but are they still going to require a mask mandate? Are they going to be doing temperature checks? Are they going to be asking for proof of vaccination? Like, how is this going to work? 
I don't know, but I was already like that prior to COVID where I'm like, listen, this is my armrest. I want to feel comfortable. I'm paying to watch this show, this musical right here. So I'm already like iffy with people being so in my space, especially when like in intermission, you get it. You go to the bathroom, the line is hella long. It's just so many things that like now post COVID, I can't even think about it in a proper way. I'm going to hold off for at least another two to three years before I venture into the culturist aspect of New York City. And speaking of culture, Childish Gambino has been rotating in the news quite a bit the last couple weeks. Really? Yeah, because he's getting sued by some rapper claiming that his song, This Is America, is a plagiarized version of Made in America, which is originally recorded by Emilike Wesley Nwosuacha. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Yeah, I know you listened to the two clips. I have not. But I would be really shocked. I mean, Childish Gambino's on top of his stuff, you know, he's a producer, he's an actor, he's a rapper and singer sometimes. I feel like, who knows who's original nowadays, right? But I feel like he would check and get the rights to the song or the music, whatever this person feels like is plagiarized. So this comes as a bit of a shock to me. So I did listen to the two songs and... Tell me what you heard. I mean, I don't feel like there's enough there to claim plagiarism. Mm. Um, There are, you know, maybe some similarities in terms of the rhythm. Maybe it's a very similar underlying beat. Okay. But to me, they didn't really sound like, oh yeah, this is a complete bite off of what you've done. But then also, let's think about how many songs that we listen to where we're just like, oh, this sounds very similar to something else that I've heard. Yeah, but maybe they got the rights for it. Because if Childish Gambino's in the wrong, I mean, he could lose a hell of a lot of money. Remember, this happened with Robin Thicke, right? With um, with the song um, that the Marvin Gaye's family, Blurred yes, Lines. Blurred Lines. Robin Thicke and Pharrell took a huge beat here, and they had to pay the Marvin Gaye family a hell of a lot of money. So I'm hoping that Childish Gambino is not in the wrong here, or else pay up. Yeah, because Childish Gambino, like you said, he seems to be pretty on top of his shit. So considering that he works with an entire team, that it's not just him, at minimum, his team would have been on top of this. Yeah, but again, we on the outside looking in, so everybody looks nice and shiny from the outside. But if you're wrong, Childish Gambino, again, pay that money. And speaking of menti menti monies, or millions, I should say, Chloe Kardashian and her mom, Chris. So Chloe spent over $30 million buying a neighboring mansion to her mother. I mean, this sounds very on brand for the Kardashian clan. And I feel like 30 million is kind of what they find in their couch these days. I mean, yes, they do have a lot of money. I just feel like, I don't know, it's quite interesting. You spend a lot of money, too. It's great to have their family so close as we watch them on TV for, what, nearly two decades now. Sometimes a little bit too close. They're a little too close. And I'm like, you're spending... $30 million to literally be neighbors with your mom. I mean, that's cool. Um, I don't know. I just find this to be a little bit interesting. Like... Yeah, I mean, I love my mama, but I don't know if I would like to, you know, be right next door to my parents every day, all the time. Wake up, they're there. Well, not just that, but spend money buying a home to, like, to be their neighbor. I'm sorry. They have enough money where they could actually just live in the same house and have two completely separate wings and never see each other. But that's not the point. They just, they want to drop the M's. That's the point. But, They floss know, in, in the peppercorn. More, more power to them. Keep, uh, I guess, the family close together. That's how they keep making money. So, hey. Moving on to regular Degla news. 
Waka Flocka has an honorary doctorate degree in philanthropy and humanitarianism. How do you feel about that? As someone who has spent now almost the better part of a decade trying to pursue an actual PhD, mm-hmm. these honorary doctor degrees, they'd be pissing me the hell off. Oh, me too. Because, first of all, Waka Flocka, you've heard him in interviews. There is nothing in the least bit eloquent about anything he has to say. He's always making the most ignorant comments. Ignorant. That are blatantly homophobic, mm-hmm. misogynist, borderline just, he's a complete and total race traitor most of the time. I mean, his honorary doctorate was presented to him by Donald Trump. But also it was presented to him by the Bible Institute of American Theological Seminary in October of last year. What is this, like the DeVry of theological seminaries? I don't know, but DeVry or not, he is a doctor. He has an honorary doctorate. I don't know. I don't get it. I get that, like, celebrities are given these honorary doctorates, and some of the times it's because of, you know, the great work that you're doing, or maybe amount of money that you have given to help a certain cause, but I just don't know what he's done with this Bible institution and also him as a person. I mean, I know nothing good about him besides his wife, who, like, literally is the only reason that kind of lifts him up, and, and his mother, too. Right. So, like, there's a difference. So, people that have been doing the work for years and then are presented with an honorary doctorate Mm -hmm. that doesn't bother me at all because I'm like okay you were doing the work you have been directly involved you've made an impact in the community you're actually trying to better society in some way or another I I don't know how that and him connect yeah so basically what you're telling me is yet one more person has gotten their PhD before me yeah but you know what you get in there soon you know I guess claps to him but I I'm confused. And another confusion, Justin Bieber with dreads. What? No. Have you seen it? Yes and no. Do you like it? No. Okay. No, not just how dreadful. What I'm saying is Jesus fix it. Please do. Um, Take the wheel. And so he's been very, very active on social the past couple of days. And every time he comes through with a new style with his dreads. Because he's received major criticism for cultural appropriation. But he's sticking to his guns. He's like, nope. I'm going to continue showing you my dress. You like it? Oh, it's an up to today. Mm-mm. If you want to experiment, hey, all right, go ahead. I, I don't necessarily see it as cultural appropriation. I don't know. I just feel like in our culture, in our society, like we're so quick to say, you can't wear this or you can't do that. But I feel like it's, it's a hairstyle. Dreads are not just worn by, you know, black people or people of color. Yeah, but dreads also do have this whole other spiritual aspect to it. And part of me just doesn't think that Justin Bieber has done the work in understanding that part. But do you think that all the people who have dreads have done the work in understanding that there oh, no, are no, no, people no. out there rocking full dread wigs? I'm full just dread saying, lace fronts. You know, he won't rock dreads, cool, whatever. He doesn't look good with the dreads. How about that? That's Ye- my take on it. Yeah, no. I, there are so many other hairstyles that he could have gone so many different directions. Just Does he have a PR team? I think he's at a point in his career where he's doing what he wants to do. Mm. But that's that on that in our regular, regular news. And now on to better news. On to our section of... We out here with it, baby. So, who are we highlighting today, Tree? 
our legendary actress and forever auntie, Felissa Rashad, also known as Mrs. Claire Huxtable from The Cosby Show. So she is the new dean for Howard University's College of Fine Arts. Not just that, she graduated from there in 1970, magna cum laude, with a BFA, and she will be starting her new role soon in July. Talk about things coming in full circle and representing for the culture. See, I love seeing stuff like this because she got, she went to the school, she took her talents that she learned from being at that school, pretty much just became everybody's auntie, mama, grandmama, all over, all over the stage. And now she's giving back to the home that gave her her start. That too, but she's also just been a huge force in her own career. And she's helped a lot of actors come up too. She even helped uh, Black Panther. Oh yes, I remember he did give an interview where he talked about the advice that she gave him. She was a mentor to him when he went there. He could not afford a certain program. She even got Denzel Washington to sponsor Chadwick Boseman. And again, this was all through Howard University. So I feel like it's great for her to come back, show that she cares about her craft, and helping the people come up too is perfect. I love to see it. I don't know if I would do that for my I'm a martyrs because I still have some loans to pay. So I'm just be like, listen. Hmm. I'm gonna see when I get there. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel you on that, especially when they start hitting me up for that fundraising check. Yeah, so good for Felicia Rashad. Not me, but a loving for you, girl. And moving on to Vanessa Bryant. She has a new clothing line called Mamacita or Mambacita, uh, which is supposed to be, you know, a reflection and a memoriam of her daughter who unfortunately passed away last year. And her husband. And her husband. Uh, All the proceeds from the profits of this clothing line will be in honor of her baby girl. And, oh, this would have been her 15th birthday. Yeah, her quinceanera. So that is really great to see. She had her, her celebrity friends, you know, surrounding her on the day that her daughter's what would have been 15th birthday. So it was really great to see that she's keeping their memory alive, but doing it for a great cause, donating the proceeds. And then also you get to see people surrounding her with great love because it's Mm -hmm. it's just hard to see. But the fact that she's able to move forward and really try to make the best out of an otherwise terrible situation. Yes, and moving on to a really great we went in, my man Master P. He's really out here building legacies with his family and all types of brands. So he has a whole food line that he kind of launched at the end of last year. And he calls himself Chef Boy RP. <laughs> And his Louisiana brand sells beans, grits and rice, pancakes mix, and a portion of their profits will benefit black communities. But he's also now coming out with ice cream, sauces, and even baby food. Damn, Master P, you really trying to break my diet out here? Uh, I, I'm over here trying to get back my pre-COVID body, and you trying to keep me in the COVID body. But you know, I love to see it because his goal is to replace other racist-ass brands like Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben, which I'm all here for because that's them from racism. Doing it for the culture, doing it for the culture. And tell us what some of his uh, sauces are called. So he's got sauces out here called Stupid Sauce. Not stupid, stupid. Yeah, two O's. Southern Style Premium Ice Cream. Ooh, that sounds like it's all kinds of fattening. Cream Chicken Gumbo Cup of Noodles. 
that's got a lot going on. And I just love to see it. He raised his children, right? I think he had about like six or eight or I don't know. But I love me some little Romeo. And he, he really brought them up with religion. He taught them about the music industry, the business as a whole in the entertainment industry. And so they have morals. And he's always repping for Louisiana, I think is amazing. It's good to see fathers put themselves out there and really just raise a great family, build brands, and, you know, building legacies. And now on to Goodreads and Watches. Check this out. So there's a new show called Queens with the Eve Brandy and the Tory Norton. Tell us about that. So this new series that will be coming on to ABC Studios joins Nadine Velasquez, who's known for her work with My Name is Earl, TV sitcoms here and there. So these four women, they were, they've been estranged for quite some time, but they did start off in a girl group when they were in their 20s, and now they get back together in their 40s, and they're trying to come up with some way to reunite that flame that they had uh, when their group really blew up in the 90s so they're getting ready for a reunion tour and guess what the group's name is called oh boy they call nasty bitches what so that's the group's name and i'm really looking forward to it i love these actresses i'm not really familiar with nadine but i love seeing eve on the screen when she's acting i haven't seen her since her eve show way back when on upn9 i always love to see me some brandy slash moesha and the tori norton is one bad powerful chick right yep i'm really excited to see this popping but really i'm just excited to see even more black female representation on screen even if they're called nasty bitches i don't mind it and so this is set to premiere on abc in the fall after the bachelorette which i will also be watching same and now we have some new poc lead roles in the upcoming transformers movie Ooh, yeah, so apparently Anthony Ramos, he's really hot right now. He's making that money. Because not only will he be starring in In the Heights, but he's now starring in this new Transformers movie, and I'm really excited, alongside Dominique Fishback. That's an interesting name. But yeah, he's making that money, so I'm all for you. Go ahead, y'all. I can't wait. Well, actually, I don't think I'm going to see it, but I can't wait for y'all to see it. Well, I can't wait for it to come on Amazon Prime so I can watch it at home with my wine and my snacks. All right. And another docuseries that looks quite interesting is about Mike Tyson. Ooh, this looks really good. I hope that they also docuseries what possessed him to get that tattoo on his face. Hopefully they talk about all that and, you know, his ex-wife. But it's basically going to chronicle his life and the former champions climb, crash, and come back. So, hey, that I guess I'll, I'll take a look at that. I wonder if they're going to talk about his roles in um, The Hangover and what it was like making that. Because he was actually pretty funny in those movies. Yeah, that should be a part of his comeback, right? So I guess we'll see it all. And also, we have a lot of sketch shows coming out. Now, sketch shows are really hit or miss for me. Um, But I'm excited to see SNL. We know him from the Weekend Update, Michael Che. His show on HBO Max is called That Damn Michael Che. Oh, I'm so excited because I love him on the Weekend Desk. Him and Colin Firth have such a great rapport. But his stand-up is also super funny. I've never seen a stand-up, but I'm looking forward to that. And then there's also season two of A Black Lady Sketch Show, which is also on HBO. 
Um, and it was created and it stars Robin Thede and her really great co-stars. I, I did see the first season. It's it's really interesting, but I think sketch shows in general are just different because they come up with the craziest shit that like, why did you think of this? Were you high when you thought of this? Were you crazy out your mind drunk when you thought like, hey, this is what we need to put together and, and you know, record? I mean, I, I've already started watching season two and I can tell that they must... They definitely are drunk in the writer's room, and then they're drunk when they're recording, but season two is even better than season one. I was dying laughing watching it the other night. Okay, I have to catch a peek. I have not seen season two at all, but now you got me excited. Also, this show I really like is on BT+, and it's called Bigger. It's actually, it reminds me of a different kind of friend group, but similar to Insecure. So you have these five friends, three women, two guys, and you have the neighbor from Insecure on the show. But he's acting like a regular dude. He's a, not, he a, the, not the bouch neighbor. Yeah, the bouch neighbor. <laughs> he blood, right? He blood, yeah. The bouch bouch neighbor. He is a normal person, yeah. and he's actually a DJ on this show. So it was good to see him as an actual, like, actor and not, you know, bouch bouch neighbor. <laughs> But it's a cool show. I really like it. Um, season two just came out, so I had to watch that. It was really interesting, and it's just fun seeing friends in their 30s who've known each other since college, and um, you know, seeing their dynamic of dating, and one is on a reality show, the ups and downs of everything. You have successful people. They all try to make it out here. Anywho, catch that. These are all great shows. Can't wait for y'all to check it out. All right, so give a big round of applause to Ibada Wadud. She is the head of impact and founder of Lula. But before we get into it, <laughs> what's your take on our little game earlier? You know, the auntie, niece, uncle, nephew situation. Okay, I love this game. I feel like I also, as I was thinking about this game, definitely certain people came to mind. I'll just go ahead and say that. But I was also thinking about baby nieces. Like there's a whole little baby niece generation. We didn't even think about that. Oh my gosh. I thought about like Zendaya. Baby niece. Love the game. My aunties, Stacey Abrams. That's a good one too. Damn. (laughs) Um, And since I know that you guys talked about an uncle and named Obama, I have to throw out Michelle Obama. Forever first lady. Yes. Forever first lady, forever niece. She's a niece. We all, she just always looking young. I'm I mean, you remember those gams when she wore those shorts that blew up the internet? Yes. <laughs> and then you guys know I'm I'm fashion. So Iman. Oh, Iman is just a forever everything. But yes. But see, on the flip side, I thought about it and I was like, okay, but like forever niece would be Naomi Campbell. Because yes. she just has that like young vibe. I feel like she still parties kind of hard. I'm sure she does. <laughs> now that she has a whole new family edition, it's about to be uh, a whole different type of party for her. But I like your additions. I feel like we may have to do another second. Yeah. This game. We might have to do aunt, niece, uncle, nephew, part de. <laughs> right? With the baby nieces and With the baby nieces. Yeah. I like that part. Yeah, there's a whole generation that we just totally skipped over. Well, you know, we can only name a few, but I like your addition. And so now, yes, again, welcome about to say hey. Hey, everyone. 
I'm so happy to be here with you guys. We're so excited for this interview. And so we just want to get right into it. You are here to talk to us mostly about your line, Lula. So why don't you tell us and our listeners how it came about and what was the inspiration there behind this really interesting and marvelous project? Of course. So how did it come about? Lula, first of all, Lula is named after my mother. Love that. Um, She grew up in Jim Crow, North Carolina in the 60s as a young girl, overcame racial oppression, raised me and my sisters as a single mother, and always focused on our education over everything. She really emphasized quality over quantity. And so that stuck with me. I remember that she carried the same like coach bag for like 10 years, which this past Christmas, I actually got her the same one. Strangely, it kind of came back full circle because I ended up working in handbags and fashion in general. And I always focused on social impact and sustainability within the fashion industry. And I think that's mostly because I was just very conscious and aware of issues, especially issues affecting the Black community and, and people of color growing up. And I just remember being like an overly empathetic, emotional child. Like as a kid, I was like wanting to be an activist, you know, and like standing up for like LGBTQ rights when I was like, I don't know, like 11, I think I was just like doing so much. And I think that was like the influence of my sisters, my mom, social justice has always been something really important to me. And that's actually what I ended up studying in undergrad. And then I like later kind of pivoted toward fashion, because I knew that was something I wanted to pursue. So, you know, long story short, I ended up in fashion, but at that intersection of social justice and And sustainability, which is really like the environmental justice aspect of social justice and working in handbags for a big brand, I noticed that there was usually like a compromise, like either you had a really high quality handbag that had less functionality, or you had high quality, I mean, in terms of materials, finish and all of those things, or you had a bag that was super functional, but just didn't have like that sophisticated look. And that bothered me. Um, <laughs> it bothers us too. Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and you want so, a bag that's functional, but also looks cute. I know. Yeah. Right. At the time when I left my corporate job, I joined a women's co-working space in New York and I started like running informal focus groups and just talking to women about bags that they would want. And it seemed to really resonate. And I, you know, started thinking about like also what the mission of the company and the brand would be besides the inspiration from my mom and like my community, right? And our culture. I also was really inspired to think about aesthetically what it might be. And so that required a lot of engagement and um, conversations over time and lots and lots of iterations product-wise and design-wise before we kind of like landed on that first prototype. But Simultaneously, I was like, you know, of course, what specific issue am I going to focus on? Because I had always worked in this space of social responsibility. And, you know, in my experience at this intersection, whether on the nonprofit or government side or on the for-profit side, I'd continuously worked at this sort of like intersection. And I noticed that brands were really focused on connecting with communities globally, but not really engaging around issues of social justice at home. 
And that bothered me also. I tend to tackle things that bother me. <laughs> so, it's a good way to live, though. It's a great way to live. Right. And so it bothered me because I'm like, okay, we're flying all the way to, for example, Southeast Asia or Africa or you name it, right? Latin America, including a brand that I had founded years before. Um, before I was working in corporate, I founded a company and was working with artisans in Latin America. But ultimately, I was like, who better to sort of focus on this story, this community than the people themselves? And so that was a really important journey and learning experience for me. Even though I was very warmly welcomed by the community, I felt like something was slightly off, right? And so this time around, when I started Lula, I was like, this really needs to be about an issue within my community that I understand that I have the capacity to tackle, maybe not single-handedly, but based on the connections I have, based on issues that I'm familiar with and things that have impacted me. I was active at that time with a nonprofit that focused on providing support and alternatives to incarceration for women who were either justice involved, meaning they had been directly impacted by the criminal justice system or the criminal legal system or indirectly, perhaps. And so I thought like, wow, would it be possible to focus on this issue? And so that's what we set out to do with our pilot program in 2019. That's really amazing. And so just to see how you brought together the service and action part of your brand, it's really great that you were able to incorporate that in your creativity model. So where do your proceeds go? Because it's a pretty interesting take on what you've been doing here with Lula. Yeah, absolutely. So we're still pre-launch, but we did do a pre-launch event in 2019 before everything was shut down, before we were experiencing this global pandemic. Um, our world was a bit more, you know, normal-ish. Normal-ish. So that happened in New Orleans at Essence Fest. We were one of a handful of brands that was chosen to be in the first Essence Fashion House. We love Um, Essence. That was super exciting. And Auntie Iman was there, super inspirational, wonderful event. Dapper Whatever Dan was auntie. there. Like every, all the aunties and uncles were there. All the they really were. And I was like, I can't it's believe. A whole party. Just yeah. like culture, creativity bursting out. It was incredible. I mean, we launched and I was very, very fortunate to launch um, and speak about the brand and not just have, you know, a product display. And I sat on a panel with Ebony Davis, who's definitely favorite niece. Woo. Favorite And um, beautiful supermodel, poet, goddess. And also June Ambrose, um, who is, you know, the stylist for all the aunties and uncles, <laughs> um, including Jay-Z. Yes. So, we, like we, you know, it was all about being mission minded. And we all talked about, um, you know, issues that were close to our hearts. And I talked about this issue, issue of mass incarceration, specifically women. And that was the launch. And it was just like, wow, so unexpected for it to be so well received. Yeah, just well received. And I think also, it just was like exactly the target audience that I had been seeking. I knew that it was like a certain black woman, a certain woman of color of this like age bracket, who like Lula would resonate with. And I had people shut me down. I had people inside and outside of the industry who were like, I just don't know if there's an opportunity if you have this like tiny, tiny target market. 
And I'm like, but isn't it well, wonderful when everything works out and it just all it comes is, full circle? It and then it's like to those naysayers, yeah. you don't need to say anything. That's, That's right. It's tiny, tiny market. It speaks for itself. But by the way, I just need to say that in all of my market research, one of the most compelling things that I learned was that Black women are on track to for a one, not even billion, trillion dollar buying mm-hmm. power as of 2021, which is, it's 2021. So oh, it's 2021. <laughs> we are always doing it. Okay. Yeah, so that is that uh, the potential there, you know? And so I believe in that. I think that um, a lot of the times we don't realize that something that's mainstream is actually really mainstream because it's targeting and centering and made in the likeness of whiteness. And so when you say this is inspired by made in the likeness of blackness, people are like, oh my God. But it's like, uh, if you look at any of these mainstream brands, yeah, like we, we inspire yeah. worlds. Okay. I Ooh. mean, look at what Rihanna was able to do with her entire Fenty empire based That's on right. this idea that, you know, makeup fashion has ignored the buying power of black women, of women of color. It's so great that you sit here with all these naysayers saying oh this is such a tiny market but then you look around and go um we got the coins honey and right. we want to spend right. it on things that we right. like exactly exactly but also back to the product so you did a pre-launch in 2019 yeah you came out with the marg can you kind yes. of explain the marg and you know the different colors that you guys have and also the other products that you have because you don't just have handbags yes you're doing, you're doing a lot of things so let the yes. people know we focus on leather goods but i am really considering in 2022 to go into some very fun apparel but right now i'm focused on launching our signature bag which is the marg as you said it is sort of what i like to call the mary Poppins bag. I was only one of those bags. Right. I was really inspired by fine luggage as well as sophisticated handbags. And I, I thought about that as like a mashup, right? So like if I was able to do a 360 zip and open a handbag, lay it flat, pack it, and for it to then zip back and be compact with all of its compartments on either side, right? Like that would be a really wonderful way to commute. Um, and then and also, also to- all the things you can fit in mm-hmm. there. Too. Right. Right. Which, you know, Treva, because I you were it. one of the first people to lay eyes on the mark. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, to put a lot of things in there. Exactly, exactly. So, of course, it comes in black. We have our core colors, and then we have our pop colors, which I'm sort of rethinking as we get ready to launch a couple of our pop colors. But, you know, our standard neutrals, we'll do like a camel, we'll do a black. And then I'm still sort of thinking and communicating with our followers about what our pop color will be. But to go back to what you said, all the compartments, we have a garment compartment so you can unzip the back flap and literally put like your yoga clothes or your gym clothes in it the lining will have will be water and stain resistant so that if you are putting gym clothes in there you're not stinking up your whole bag you know you can you wipe are it speaking, down with the baby wipe after and it's fresh and new okay um, um take my money <laughs> i would like one in every color 
We have a water bottle compartment. We have a magnetic sunglasses or glasses compartment that just snaps right over so they can't fall out. We have a zip laptop compartment. Then we also have an invisible zipper on the other side of that on the bottom where you can unzip and then stick it right on top of your carry-on suitcase. So it just okay, slides yes. right on top All of my that coins. handle and you can just peel through the airport in style, which is personally like my favorite. I just live for the days of glam airport fashion. Oh yeah, I just I feel that. like I should have been born in like the same year as my mom. I just love the style. I love the fashion. I love the black vintage Hollywood, all of it. So I'm very inspired by that with Lula. But then also I have this playful side. I skateboard. I'm very like active. So I think that going forward, there's going to be like fun, easy ways to access Lula, which will also be a sort of more athletic version of the Marg, for example, that we'll probably do in something like recycled nylon. Recycled because, you know, we care about sustainability. Okay, I'm literally running to Wells Fargo right now. (laughs) I'm opening up a separate account. You can, yeah, you can just go in there, just take the coins. And, you know, it's going to be available. We will be launching it on, you know, our campaign on iFundWomen. If you guys don't know about iFundWomen, it is an incredible platform. It's like Kickstarter, but it's for women entrepreneurs. And then they came out with iFundWomen of Color. And I was like, dead but i'm gonna be launching it on that which will also mean that if you support us and our campaign then you'll be able to have early access to the mark so very excited that for sounds that. perfect so where else can we find you you mentioned socials and listening to uh, your followers on new colors what's the social it is shop lula instagram at shop lula so find us there we're also going to have a really exciting refresh which I'm super excited about because part of our pivot in 2020 was really thinking about the social impact aspect of Lula and also the commercial aspect. And so we will be launching lula.org, which I'm very excited about, which will really focus on all of the workforce development work that we do with the women who are part of our program which is, you know, again, creating this pipeline for women who are returning citizens who have been, again, directly impacted by the criminal legal system and then receive training in the super intensive, immersive program with just like, you know, the the creme de la creme of the industry. So that was super successful in 2019. I'm really looking forward to bringing it back as well as launching on the commercial side proceeds for the bag that will go into a bailout fund specifically for mothers who are incarcerated. And I want to point out something that you just said that to me feels really intentional and uplifting. I love the fact that you refer to the women that you are working with, that you would like the proceeds to benefit as returning citizens, as opposed to using some of the more uh, traditional, less favorable language, which is something that's near and dear to our heart. And it's something that I do spend a lot of time talking about in class is just how labels can connote something so negative and can make it so difficult for people to see the value in themselves. Absolutely. It can be so dehumanizing. Yes. And I think that for me, that's just super important. So I always try to, I just think language is very powerful. And you can't kind of brush over that. And I know that like first I've had the struggle of like, 
oh gosh, should I use different language because, you know, people maybe aren't really understanding it. But I think that it's an opportunity to educate. And like, that's something also that I'm really excited about for the website is like every opportunity that I can use to educate the customer. I'm really excited to do that, whether it's about product, because I feel like there's like this veil that needs to be lifted to increase transparency within the fashion industry in general around product, around supply chain, around materials. But then also, in terms of supply chain, like, you know, labor workforce. And when it comes to those types of things, I think that it's important to educate your customer. And if they don't understand something, you can find creative ways to educate them and teach them new language that is more appropriate. And that's super important at Lula. That's amazing. And so (laughs) you mentioned the website's going to launch. You've been featured in publications like People Who Do. You've been at Essence with the pre-launch. You've done so many great things and it's phenomenal. How do you feel looking back to when you first started this journey? You know, you did a lot of tests. You, you know, you had to pivot a lot. How do you feel? I feel super optimistic, actually. And it's, I feel like it's really important to let yourself feel all the feels because like you don't always feel super optimistic as an entrepreneur. You have imposter syndrome, you go through it. I surround myself with black women entrepreneurs all day for that reason, because I feel like I would have given up at this point if I didn't have the community and the support system that I have. So definitely, definitely super important to me. But yeah, I feel super optimistic. I feel excited about what's coming. Yeah, positive. Great. Um, not not to be not to be overly positive. Okay, no. No, but optimism is great. <laughs> if you're not if you're not proud and happy for yourself, who else is gonna do it like you can? Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? You really. gotta get yourself up to if there's a one to ten, get yourself up to a twenty. I, I mean, I have to be honest. It has been such a spiritual journey, an emotional journey, and I feel like as much as I've had to focus on the business, like 2020 was about focusing on myself so that I could lead this business. To keep it 100%, it was absolutely about self-care and making sure that I had the bandwidth. Yeah, just like the stability to continue to move forward. And a lot has happened so far with Lula. And I feel like it's just the beginning. That is so awesome. And I love listening to you talk about your brand, your products, because you have all of this passion that's served by everything that you see going on around you, your background, the things that you've experienced. But we know there are other things that you have going on, like all this passion doesn't just get funneled into one area. So would you like to let us know what other things you're doing outside of your brand? Yeah, of course. So I am a consultant also, and I'm also an educator. It took me a long time, like maybe a lifetime up to this point to realize that like, you don't have to choose. I also felt like there was like a cultural paradigm shift in which we were finally like, okay, who are these millennials? What the fuck are they doing? Right. <laughs> and it was like, we're doing I'm a things. photographer, but I'm also like doing this. Right. But like, that was Isn't our so generation. We get that shit. <laughs> You don't got to choose. Do it all. Thank God. Because I could never imagine wearing only one hat. I just feel like kudos to the people who can. I honestly envy them. 
But like for me, I just need to have this sort of like more dynamic way of distributing my energy and my interests and just like creating balance. So I teach at Parsons School of Design at the new school. Very exciting at the intersection of fashion, business, and social impact. It's kind of the theme of my life. Um, (laughs) And then I also am a consultant. So I help other brands in the area of social um, justice and environmental justice and really like design innovation in general, social innovation. So it 2020 was actually the year of a lot of people needing a lot of help because mm-hmm. there were some social issues happening in the world mm-hmm. and people were finding themselves in a pickle. Mm-hmm. Um, and if pickle I was lot. there to yeah. remind them that, you know, like this isn't just like a moment where you get to like say, okay, we made this campaign or like, representation matters you know and then like there's like five black people in your ad and there's just like no, <laughs> and then nothing something and more sustainable it. more meaningful like connect with or you have the diversity higher exactly i'm tired of being the token you know uh, and I yes. like we're all tired we're all of being the token all the time Preach. this is the issue i'm like there are so many people I know who are creative, who are amazing. Like, why am I the only person here in this space, in this corporate? Literally. Space? It shouldn't be. It should never be. And then everyone's so, so gung-ho on the increasing representation without actually doing the work to understand cultural retention. Yes. It's just that one higher and then they forget. Yeah. Right. Like, oh yeah, so we have... Where they forget. But it's also like, don't mm-hmm. hire too many of them because they'll all sit at the lunch table together. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Like, oh. yeah, I, listen, we can go on <laughs> and on about that. Of itself. So, you know, that was, it's exciting. It's an exciting time. And I'm really just trying to teach people how to like hone their creativity, go back to like the basics of this beautiful field design, which is really about solving people's problems, whatever they are, you know? So like, if you're focusing on that, then you should be able to include, right? The user that you're focused on helping and supporting. And so in doing that, you have to engage with those people. You can't design thinking about any community. It doesn't matter who they are, where they are coming from, what demographic, socioeconomic status, like if you're not engaging with them, you're missing something, you're getting Mm -hmm. it wrong. So it's been fun. And speaking about teaching people how to hone in their creativity and really being their truest selves, one of the purposes of your product is creating this equity program. So how you build equity and a path to ownership within your employees, can you please explain or tell our listeners about that? Because that's something that is not done very often, but is so important for making sure that people feel invested and love the work that they do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I explored a lot of different financial models for Lula. And I feel like continuously, it's important to like revise and revisit what's happening with your company. Because as you grow and as you scale, like maybe something will shift and something will work better than now than it did before. But At the particular junction where I was, I was thinking just going along with the sort of like blueprint, like, oh, you have a startup, you want it to reach a lot of people, you want it to be a household brand, then you need to go get VC, right? And so on that journey, I noticed that, first of all, I have to say, I learned so much. And one of the greatest experiences I had was out in Silicon Valley, like in on this journey of Lula. But I definitely realized that at this time, VC was not the financial model that I needed. And that made me really reflect about what was. 
And so I knew that I wanted the women who I work with to have a stake in the company. And so I started looking at this model of, I mean, it's funny because like in the, in the finance world or the VC world, you talk about equity all the time, but you know, like we're talking about like social equity, but then also financial equity, right? Um, which in reality, we divorce those things in our minds all the time, but they're so related. So in an effort to kind of achieve social equity, I'm like, okay, maybe I should be thinking about giving them financial equity in the company. And so I'm trying to create, and I'm very inspired by like the cooperative economies. And so I'm, I'm really looking at like a cooperative equitable model for women who I work with to have stake in Lula, which I'm really excited about for 2021. That is just so great. Sorry, I think I'm like, I feel like I just went in a whole crazy circle, but, no, but it's very exciting. It's yeah. very exciting. <laughs> you have all these ideas and you're putting it together. And so that's why I love that. Like, you know, this idea of you know your mother and how she grew up and getting her that bag that she had for 10 years, getting it back again, which is why I really love some of these older companies and brands that have been around so that you can get something mm-hmm. that was original yeah. way back when. Yeah. It's like, look at how all of these things kind of just came together and you're able to bring your social justice side in here and like all of your consulting and market research and just bring it all together to create your own brand, but then still have other revenues and these different lines that you walk. You mentioned wearing different hats. I mean, we wear different hairstyles. Why can't we wear different hats? Mm -hmm. Exactly. I I love the whole thing. Yeah. And one of the aspects that really speaks to me about your brand, your product, everything that you've done is that you really are a sum of all of your parts. So you're looking at the Marg. It's not just about you. It's about your mom. It's about looking at what's functional for women like us looking and then looking at this from your equity perspective, understanding how this is so important to make sure that we keep families together, that we bring the humanity back into people who have been through the criminal legal system. So it's a passion project. It's something that you love, but it's also a representation of all the things that are important around you and your environment that have made you essentially the woman that you are today. Girl, you better preach. Yeah, that was amazing. Can you be my ghostwriter? (laughs) (laughs) This is what she does. When she, when she needs to read somebody, she reads, when she needs to give words of wisdom, she does. And she actually moderates a lot of really great people at her university as well. So, you know, professors to professor, what y'all doing here, this is golden. Yeah. And actually, um, I would also love an opportunity to be able to work with you, have you come and do like some speaking and stuff in my classes. I was just going to say this, like we need to overlap in our classes. Yeah. Our students need this though. Like in practice. And then the other thing that I really, really love about our conversation just now is not having to choose between what you want to do. So in academia, when you're going through all, all of these academic circles, they're like, oh, well, you know, you have to choose between the practical side and the academic side. And I'm sitting here like, I don't want to choose between the practical side and the academic side, because I'm a firm believer that you need to practice what you preach. I don't want to be one of those professors in the front of the classroom that talks about all these different things, but never actually experiences it for herself to understand how these issues work in practice. Then you're just preaching from the, from the ivory tower. Exactly. And look, and now you are here teaching the work and doing the work. Hey, now in a cute bag. Mm hmm. 
Thank you. Can you please tell us again where we can get the Lula when it's available? Is there any way I could get my hands on this now? Yes. Look out for updates on Instagram. Again, it's at shop Lula. Lula is with an H. L-U-L-A-H. Very important. On Instagram, we're actually going to do a beautiful refresh um, this summer, gearing up for the launch. You're going to be able to see where you can get the bags. You'll be able to go to lula.org, which is super exciting. So just stay tuned. It's coming. And can you please also let our listeners know where they can support the product? You mentioned the uh, iFund Women. Yeah, absolutely. That'll also be updated on our Instagram. So you'll be able to go to our Instagram, our website, and find our iFund Women campaign. It's actually going to be on iFund Women of Color because I definitely want to rep that. There'll be many opportunities for you to support our campaign. And like I said earlier, you'll have the opportunity to have like early access to the product. I will be running, not walking to make sure I get all the access. <laughs> so about it, any last words for our It Be Your Own People audience? This was super fun. I'm really excited that like this was an amazing between what you do, Treva, and what you do, Sally. And then it just is a perfect little love triangle. Is that weird? Right? Yeah, kind of weird, but I'm going to say it anyway. Perfect love triangle. This is a safe space. <laughs> this is a safe space. Yeah. No, we love that. We yes. love to hear it. <laughs> We want all of our guests to come here and have just as great a time as we do with each other. Exactly. <laughs> you know, or else why do it? Mm-hmm. So again, we cannot wait. Everybody go check out Shop Lula on Instagram for the updates and make sure you can get your hands on a product coming soon. And now time for your black card revoked. Tree, tell the people whose black card we revoking today. Mm-mm. Somebody from one of my favorite 90s groups, boys to men singer Wanya Morris. What he do? So, he got mad, and he shaded the shit out of Candy Burris, out of her singing, mind you, when she told the truth about boys to men being difficult to work with back in the day. This was a question that she was asked, who was difficult to work with? She mentioned them. Somebody asked you a question, you answer. Very simple. Now, he chose to get a little salty and kind of a little bit attacked, you know, her character. He was like, I mean, we really haven't heard songs from her back in the day. Yes, she's doing some writing. And yes, she's relevant on reality TV. But her singing, though, something to that effect. What you think about that? Yeah, he went all the way in on her for no reason other than she was asked a question. She gave an answer. And she didn't say that boys to men sucked. Like, she gave y'all your flowers. She said y'all are good, but... Because that would not be true. Like, we know how talented everyone in this conversation thus far is. Exactly. But for him to just be like, oh, what have you heard from her lately? What has she done? What is she doing? Because she's building her own empire. What are you doing, Wanye? But guess why he's really getting his black card revoked? Why? Because other people have said similar things about the group in the past. Um, men like Babyface and Dallas Austin, but why he only chose to come for Candy Burris. Oh, okay, I see. So it's the come for the black woman effect. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, yeah. No, you wrong for that. You all the way wrong for that. And if multiple people have said that y'all were difficult to work with, at what point are you going to look in the mirror and be like, damn... We were some divas. Like, damn, we's the problem. But the point is, 
if you want to keep that same energy with Candy, then keep that energy with everybody. If you want to be mad that someone's calling you difficult, then talk back to everybody who's saying it. But don't just come from one person when other people have said it. And this one black woman is doing a damn thing. She also has like a new business every freaking year. More like every freaking day. Every freaking day. She's acting. She's building her family. She's a boss-ass woman. She's she got restaurants on restaurants on restaurants. She has writing credits for some of the best groups out there. She's also a singer and still performing. So I think you're going to need to take several seats. Mm-hmm. And that's that on that. And for our section of reality TV roundup. Reality roundup! Unfortunately, one of our most favorite singers ever, Tank, recently announced that he's going deaf. But he's trying to make light of the situation or make a bad situation better by trying to encourage others who may be in a similar position. Yeah, so this was really sad to hear, but he's basically going completely deaf in his right ear and he's losing sound in his left. He also said he's been dizzy lately and can't walk in a straight line and it's also out of nowhere. So doctors are trying to help him, but this is super unfortunate. We also remember this happening with Foxy Brown, you know, a couple of decades ago where she said she basically couldn't hear anyone for about six months, which is really crazy. Oh, wow. She did get surgery, but I don't know if that's completely, you know, fixed or how it affects her life today. But, I mean, her career wasn't really the same afterwards. It's kind of hard when you're a musician and you go out with, you know, tons of basses and music all around you to perform and let alone record. So I'm not sure what's going to happen to his music career, but he does act. He does other things. So it's great that he's trying to, you know, encourage others. Yeah, I hope that he's able to still be involved in music somehow. If not singing, then maybe producing or even providing some sort of consultation to other singers that are coming up or people who are experiencing the same thing. But Well, I don't know if he's going to be able to consult if he can't hear. I'm sorry. That was <laughs> fucked up. I mean, I probably should have laughed, but I'm just saying. Like, if I know that you can't hear, and I'm trying to come up as a singer, I'm not going <laughs> to listen to your advice. I mean, you never know. Like, science no. is like a wonderful thing. No, 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 no. Go to someone else, please. Please, I'm telling you, if you want to go into singing, girl, don't go to Tank. But, again, praying we praying up. We praying up for your boy. All right, moving on to the Challenge All-Stars. That's on Paramount Network. Yes, yeah, so the Challenge All-Stars, all of some of the OGs have come back for a chance to win $500,000. Now, that's a lot of money. Especially because we all done lived the last 18 months in a whole uh, perpendicular. So, we need these coins, girl. But you know, it had to be a lot of money for most of these people to come back because we haven't seen them in a challenge in a good 10, 15 years. A a lot of them had started, you know, families. They're in their 40s, damn near 50s. And some of them just can't really hang. Yeah, they heard 500K and they busted out the icy hot packets, Mm -hmm. then back braces. I've been seeing a lot of knee wraps on these challenges. I know, like it was hard because I was like, all right, what am I about to watch? Like, the funny thing is that these challenges are harder for the old heads than it is for the younger version. Right, because you see some of these challenges and you're like, oh man, that's it? Compared to the regular challenge, you're like, oh, that ain't nothing. But then you gotta realize, it's 
a 50 year old body no not even that 50 year old body like they have harder challenges than they would give to the 20 and 30 year olds that is a fact because TJ like, and I've seen them dropping down you know from feet above the water this chick done hit her nose Katie Katie was always the one getting like a bloody nose hitting her face I mean she always gets the short end of the stick and unfortunately it happens to her in all this, the time in this series too but it's so good to hear you know the old school music that they play in each episode which is kind of cute it was really sad when they play a little DMX but it's great to see them all get back together and you know some of them still have pretty good mom and dad bods oh this is true like my boo Darrell Darrell's always fine he always look good you know Derek he's been keeping himself nice and tight Darrell look good he look good also Kendall Kendall is a badass she has like three sons yeah she annoying but she she still look good yeah I can't stand her as a competitor but her body is on point and I mean some of them who aren't that in shape I mean they look like they was about to have a, a heart attack yeah, sometimes I'm watching these challenges and I go, please, TJ, please tell me you got EMS on standby. But I mean, after she, you're done laughing, the thing is, the ones who have an age like Alton, Alton looks exactly the same. Girl, yes, his body looks very fine. Yes, but he is super fit and in shape, and he damn near died in one of the challenges. It was crazy. I still can't understand I what understand I was seeing. Either. It was really weird. It I, was, I was so confused. I'm just like, is this for show? Was this for cameras? So this was a really good way to just see them all come back it doesn't matter whether they're in shape or not whether they have families or not i know there's still some hooking up going on and i was like oh okay i wasn't expecting to see that with the older peoples but um you know some of them have kids and they're single and they're they're doing it so and doing it and doing it and doing it well right doing it and doing it and doing it can't wait to see how the finale wraps up in the coming weeks and also speaking of finale we gonna move right on to married at first sight girl make it make sense toxicity came back it sure did and of course what does a narcissist do but be a narcissistic manipulative asshole Chris returns and he tries to plead his case to win Paige back. And unfortunately, he says that his ex fiance lost the child that she was carrying. However, I believe nothing that Chris says, and I just really, really, really hope that him, the ex fiance, did not get together and lie about that whole situation. I really honestly, hope. that pregnancy did not sit truthful to me. Everything at about all. that whole situation was suspect. Everything about that situation read clout to me. Everything is very suspect. So I am super like annoyed with Chris and I'm very mad at the fact that he tried to get in Paige's head. And you know what, Paige, she knows that he can get to her because she kind of like was going back and forth. And then she finally decided, no, I will not stay married to you. I mean, they already told producers that they weren't going to, you know, they wanted a divorce. They weren't going to stay together. But then he started to win her back. She said no. And now there's like another kind of like reunion special coming up and it looks like it looks like he's gonna get his way. I just they it looks, better not. It looks like some backsliding is about to happen and Paige is going to just lose her mind and see because fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, it is I who is boo-boo. Yeah, and all the other couples, I mean, we don't really care about them. Like, they're cute and all, and the people who needed to stay together need to stay together, except for Ryan and his booty and that girl. They did not need to stay together, but if she wants to stay in that weird-ass relationship, 
Go ahead. Do you, boo. I mean, if she wants to be the sexless innkeeper for the rest of her life, that's on her. I mean, hopefully she's got some by now, but who knows? Mm. What I'm saying is, Chris and Paige, you, I think you've done your job and you will get a spinoff. Because if that's what you're looking for, I'm all into this toxicity. Okay? Like, I hate you, but am I going to watch? Absolutely, because you a hot mess. There you go. All right, here's a new section, y'all. It's called It Be Your Own People Moments. Check this out. So this is where we have friends of the show telling us about situations that go on in their everyday life because it be your own people all the time. Sometimes it happens at home. Sometimes it happens at work. Sometimes it's, you know, shit that you see on your commute to and from work every day. This is true. So now this little moment is about... The Butcher Box Bandit. Tell us about that, Sally. Okay, so our friend has a real big problem with packages that are getting stolen from their building. And recently, someone posted a note at the door that said, Did you steal my Butcher Box? And just to be clear, it wasn't to our friend. Right. So then another neighbor in the building replied to that note, ripped it down and put another note that says, What'd that note say? Dear Entitled Gentrifying Neighbor, No one gives a fuck about your butcher box. I didn't steal your shit, but I'm glad someone did. Mind your attitude, this ain't your hood. If you want to order fancy cuts of meat, go to a butcher or move to Bushwick. Much love, a native Brooklynite. Now, I don't know what I'm doing if I walk into a building and I see this. I'm dead ass laughing for sure. Oh, I'm cracking the fuck up. I'm definitely taking a picture. Because this is like quintessential New York City, Brooklyn shit. I know, but this is also hilarious. And yes, this did happen in Brooklyn because it makes sense. Yes, the writing is literally on the wall. But the funny thing is, whoever you live with in the building, neighbors are neighbors. But you don't know if someone actually took this. You can't go and leave a note on someone else's door without having proof that they took this. Right. And I mean, okay, I get you're upset that your butcher box is not where the delivery update said it was going to be. Because that shit is expensive. So I'd be hella mad if, you know, my ribeye, my bacon, my pork belly was not there. Yeah, but how many people are ordering a butcher box? Like, I'm just little how much meat are you eating how much meat i mean it could be a lot of meat maybe they have like an artisanal business and they're making blts every day listen maybe they're keto i know in this past year people that had a lot of businesses that started in their homes but one of them should not be a butcher well you also shouldn't just be getting your cuts of meat in a box like that i like to go to the butcher and see the cut of meat that i am about to consume like i like to pick it out i get that but if i'm on the flip side and i want to get a butcher box i get it but i'm just like who gets this shit i mean you know to each his own but at the end of the day like what i do with my coins and my money is my business yeah so don't also be judging me for the shit that's getting delivered to my door like i paid for it it's mine i want it True, but in your words of having the caucasity to accuse someone mm, of stealing that part, something, yep. but you don't know if they actually have it, though. Because they could have rephrased the question. Like, instead of saying, did you steal my butcher box, you could have said, have you seen my butcher box? But if you said, have you seen, I would need to see a note on every single body's door, door. in the building and outside of the building and go to the super mm-hmm. and everybody and the landlord. Don't just go to one person and accuse them. And also... The thing, too, is these delivery services are notorious for sending you an update saying, oh, your package has been delivered. And guess what? It's not delivered. It's still on the damn truck because they don't updated the wrong address. Very true. But guess what? The saga gets messier. Ooh, child. Then what happened? So... 
in response to this response to did you steal my butcher box oh no not a response it gets better and the reply to the reply reads a printed reply oh yes yeah so this is a printed reply so the first reply to the printed note was handwritten this is now another printed reply from the original poster it reads did you see my butcher box Well, in name of being a nice neighbor, I thought I should let you know. All right, well, you also needed some, you know, grammar and spell check there, but moving on. I just got notification that. Oh, no, what they got notification of? The pork in the box was recalled for contamination. Not contamination. You should probably go get some medical attention and also probably take this as a karmic lesson to stop being a thief. I just can't. Like, this is the type of shit that when it happens, you wish there were other people around. You right. wish this was in a movie, in a show. Like, it's so funny and it's so original. I, like, you can't write this. You know what this reminded me of? Right, Remember right, that right. scene in Bridesmaids with Kristen mm. Wiig where she takes them to that Brazilian steakhouse? Oh, yeah. And then they all get the bubble guts in the most inopportune that time? That wasn't just bubble guts. That was like a Volcano bomb. guts. That was nasty. But, yes, this shit is so funny funny like like i'm picturing melissa mccarthy is the butcher box bandit and she's now reaping the karmic the thing is that you really just have the audacity to continue to harp go after this person it's right like, you took it and now since you took it guess what that shit is contaminated hope you have violent diarrhea bitch and also who the fuck is shocked that pork that's been sitting in a box yeah. is getting recalled for contamination yeah I, like there, there's so many crazy things in this one whole messy situation i i love it yeah, I mean, y- y'all know, me and Tree, we love the mess, we love the toxicity, and this is all of those things wrapped up in a nice, neat little butcher box. That's true. If you want to hit us up to say hey or let us know about any It Be Your Own People moments, send us an email at ibyoppodcast at gmail.com. Hey, y'all. Don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Podcast. And that's all we have for you today on It Be Your Own People. Stay woke, stay alert, and tune in next time.